Welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. From piecing to quilting and everything in between, this podcast brings you tips and techniques from the experts and fun stories from quilters just like you. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. I'm Ashley Huff, and today our special guest is Colleen Tauke. So Colleen, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for uh, bringing me in. This is really fun. Of course, of course. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been sewing and quilting. Okay. Um, my experience in quilting and sewing goes back quite a ways. Um, my mother and my grandmothers were both sewers, not quilters per se, mm -hmm. but at least sewers, garment sewers, actually very good garment sewers. <laughs> I don't think I could ever live up to their creations, but um, I remember watching them sew um I remember cutting out my very first pattern when I was in kindergarten. Oh, wow. It was a brown shirt. I can still remember what it looks like. Um, but then I was a 4-H'er for years. So then um, sewing was just a natural part of the learning process there. So yeah, my mom would get me started. And then, you know, we would pick out the fabric and the patterns. And then and then after a while, she would be like, yeah, I'll just leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> Until I got to <laughs> um, the sewing was always just been a part of who I who I am. Yeah, um, I decided then to go into home economics, and when I went to college, and of course that all changed. Um, now it's um, families consumer sciences, I think the degree or something close to that at Iowa State University. Okay, and at the time I student taught. And I student taught with junior high and high school students. Thought to myself, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, when you're teaching high school students and you don't have a lot of independent living on your own because you were part of your household as a child and then growing up and going to college, you haven't lived on your own yet. You haven't raised any kids yet. You haven't had your own household. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, I really don't have a lot of experience for teaching. I suppose maybe because the person I was student teaching under had years under her belt. Mm -hmm. And so um, I decided to go off kind of a little different direction and worked in retail. So I worked in a fabric um, shop for a while and I worked in retail for a year, for a few years right after we'd gotten married and um, decided that I would just, I would be a stay at home mom mm -hmm. for 15 years. I stayed home with my kids um, when people found out wherever we lived at the time, we moved around some, when anybody would find out that I could sew, I became the alterationist, the fix it person, no matter where we lived. Our neighbors would, I would come home after grocery shopping and there'd be a, a bag on my front door and our pants with pins in it. And I'm like, mm, I must have to shorten these. Or I was creating curtains or costuming for a community theater. Mm -hmm. And so my sewing machine was always out. My kids, in fact, my oldest one time asked me, well, why don't people just do this for themselves? <laughs> and I said, but Joe, not everyone knows how to sew. And he looked at me, turned his head sideways. And he said, what do you mean? every house has a sewing machine, like a refrigerator and a stove. And I'm like, no. <laughs> every, every house should have a sewing machine. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it should. But he thought it was just standard operating, you know, materials inside of a, uh, inside of a house. Yeah. So I'm like, no, not everybody sews. Um, well, that's, but that's good because then it's like they see interest in it. And then now he knows that 
if not everyone can do it, it is that much more sort of awesome that you can do it. Right. That it's a, that it's a skill that, that some people have and they develop and they share with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so then when did you go into quilting then? That's our last move. Okay. Um, we moved to DeSoto, Iowa, a little town right outside of Des Moines. Um, a gal down the street from me wanted to, she had four kids. I had four kids. We needed uh, some time away from our kids. And she goes, you want to take this quilting class with me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sure. Okay. Cause I had dabbled in, in some things. I'd watched some PBS shows on and quilting. Mm-hmm. And so we went off to this class this one night and we made a, um, trying to think what I guess it was a a nine patch block mm-hmm. or a very nine patch possibly I can't remember exactly I'm gonna have to go find that block um but we I went to class with her and came home and we had made this little table topper and I knew enough from watching shows how to layer it and to maybe do the binding and stuff so I finished it mm-hmm. and I come to find out there's two more classes oh. and I'm like oh, oh so you weren't supposed to finish it yet <laughs> Oh no, we were supposed to come back for two more weeks. <laughs> like, oh no, now what do I do? So I went to class and learned all the things I wasn't supposed to do. <laughs> well, but that's always a good, like, so trial and error. That's a good way to learn things too. And sometimes you remember things better that way because you've exactly. already done it wrong. Yeah, exactly. I learned way more about binding and layering than I ever imagined I would. <laughs> Perfect. Well, so then do you remember, say, what one of the things that you might have done wrong that you then, I guess, learned the correct way or learned a different way to do it? Do you remember things like that? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I learned what a quarter inch seam really looks like mm-hmm. because as a construction sewer, you know, we're working with a lot wider seam allowances of five yeah. eighths. Mm-hmm. And a quarter, mm, my quarter was more like a three eighths. So <laughs> I had to fix that. Right. And I had to shorten my stitch length because, you know, garment sewers, we don't do a short stitch length. Because if we have to tear it out in garments, we would, you know, destroy the fabric possibly. So shorter stitch length, do not backstitch. Right. That too. Yep. (laughs) And um, what a walking foot was. Yeah. Because I didn't know about a walking foot yet. And that's why things shifted a little when I tried to quilt my little table topper. I was like, oh, yeah, that would really help. Yes, for sure. (laughs) So I want to ask you about the short stitch length because... So I, I started sewing before I started quilting also, but I have to say, like, I turn my machine on, it goes to its standard, either 2.0 or 2.5, and I usually just leave it there, no matter what right. I'm sewing or quilting. I don't actually change it between the two. So why why should I? Um, like I said, when, when you're working with garments and maybe you're easing seams on a curve, um, or if you're working on same say fabric that might be a plush or corduroy or had mm-hmm. a nap to it like that, or a sateen or something. If you would have to remove stitches, that short stitch length is going to be a lot more difficult to take out and you can very mm-hmm. easily nick the fabric, even with the tip of your seam ripper. So a little bit e- uh, longer stitch length really does help um, mm-hmm. when you're making garments and easing gotcha. things. It, it you can kind of ease between stitches even a little tiny bit. So right. Okay. That makes a little bit of difference. <laughs> so when you say shorten, what do you shorten it to? Um, well, I use the default setting on my machine. So the 2.5 or 2 uh, is I think what mine or 2.0 is what mine defaults to. That's what comes on. And that's perfect for quilting. I would take okay. to um, probably about a three for garment sewing. Okay. Gotcha. And, and work from there. So 
maybe it's because the machine I have is actually, it's, it's labeled as a quilt, a quilting machine. So it, the default's more set for quilting. Mm-hmm. But my old machine, my old Kenmore that, that I worked on years and years ago that my parents gave me for high school graduation, mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't have, it wasn't really set for quilting. It wasn't, you know, I didn't have any table surround. It didn't have a shorter stitch length. Back then we were looking at a dial that had eight, 10, 12 on it. So it's stitched yes. per inch and mm-hmm. we adjusted that way. So mm-hmm. um, a little more manual kind of machine. So yeah. um, I think the machines have, uh, the machines have come a long way. So. Oh, absolutely. The first machine I sewed on was my mom's and it was a singer and it was, it did have the dials. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, yeah. And, and the one now it literally has like an iPad touchscreen bigger than my iPad on it. Like it's, yeah, machines have come a very, very long way. And that screen probably has living color, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it's beautiful. And you can like, it plays a song for you when you turn it on and everything. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, so you said you couldn't quite remember what the first block was that you're going to find it. And I think it's amazing that you might still have it somewhere because I definitely don't have the first thing I made. But what is your, not necessarily your first, but your favorite block or, or unit or something to make? Oh, um, I tend to to do things that have triangles in them. So um, a sawtooth star, friendship mm-hmm. stars, something with either flying geese in it or triangles. Those are the ones I tend to gravitate to. Now, the block that I was telling you about, that was my first block that was technically done properly, but we have to wind back the clock a little further to go back to the very first block I made. Okay. Remember I mentioned I was a 4 er yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to give away my age a little bit because there was a project area in 1976 okay. called the Heritage Project. And you could pick a project to enter at the fair in Heritage. And guess what? what? Quilting was a category. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I made a pillow in 1976. I would have been like in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um it had triangles in it, of course. Um, it was, um, if you were to look it up in Brackman's, you would find many, many names for it. Um, I think Bear Claw is one of the names for it. Mm-hmm. But because one of my little prints had a little ducky print in it. Now, remember, I'm in sixth grade. Okay. <laughs> so a ducky print in yellow and green and orange. Mm, it was the 70s. Um <laughs> We named it Duck's Foot in the Mud because it okay. looked like, like prints of of um, a duck's yeah. foot yeah. in the mud. So, um, but it was, and I still have that pillow. I kept it. My mother kept it. I should should give her credit because she kept it all those years. She had no well, idea. And it had to have turned out really good. That's awesome. I think it's yeah. funny that you go towards things with, with points and triangles and flying geese because I feel like that's something that people uh, shy away from, especially in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. sticking to more squares and rectangles and not points that they have to line up. So as someone who by now is an expert in points, um, how do you say, make sure they always line up or, you know, if they're joining blocks together where your points come together, how do you make sure right. they look the way you want them to? Right. When I'm teaching class and especially if I'm working with novice level, I always look at them and say, okay, you're going to decide, are you a pointy person or are you a non pointy person? Mm-hmm. Because, me, I'm a pointy person. I'm always looking to see if I can save those points and make sure that they line up. Other people aren't pointy. They don't really 
they don't mind if the points get cut off a bit. And right. you know, that's totally mm -hmm. fine. You mm -hmm. have to be happy with what you do. And so it doesn't, it's a creative process. It's not about perfectionism. Um, the, the way to keep those points, I guess, is to stay as accurate with your quarter inch seam as possible. Try mm -hmm. to avoid distortion at all costs. And if nothing else, you know, you can go in and you shimmy a little here and there with an extra seam and make sure you save your point. But <laughs> yes, yep. I have done that. And, and more often than not, mine end up being smaller than needed seam allowances in order to keep my points. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what that says about my piecing, but that's just what I very rarely do I have to go bigger. It's usually smaller. Well, yeah. the nice thing about quilting is that no one sees our seam allowances when it's all quilted together. It's true, but I know my quilter sees it, and I hope she doesn't judge me. But your quilter is like your hairstylist; they don't share. Perfect. That's good to know. It's perfect. Um, all right. So we talked a little bit about uh, just machines because you mentioned mm -hmm. the old machine you had before. But what do you have now? Your that you work on, and do you, is it your favorite? It is probably my favorite. Um, I have a brother sewing machine right now. Um, mm -hmm. It's a Novos QC one thousand. Um, mm -hmm. I did work for quite a few years on a Viking and it was a platinum 750. They don't make it anymore. Really lovely machine works. It's a workhorse because I used it very hard and mm -hmm. got my daughter to sew on that sewing machine and it still works. I have it in my other sewing space. I have two um, because we're temporarily in a different locate living in a different location. But the mm -hmm. brother sewing machine came with me. It's a little heavier. It has a nice touch screen on it. Not in living color, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> when I was working with the Fonz and Porter team um, with the magazine and the and the TV show, um, I got to work on some really sweet sewing machines. And baby lock machines are beautiful. I absolutely loved working on those. Um, brother is a cousin to the baby lock machine. So it's mm -hmm. very familiar when I would go from one to the other. Um, so I think the biggest thing, and people a lot of times will ask me, you know, how do I pick a sewing machine? Yes. And, you know, that's a really hard thing. I, I usually look at them and say, you need to sit down and actually try it. Mm -hmm. You need to like the way it sounds, what it feels like when it's, when you're sewing on it, because if it makes noises that really are disturbing to you, don't go that direction. Yeah. Try another machine. Yes. <laughs> you need it has to be like your friend. Yeah. So it needs to be comfortable. And I did. I when I was picking sewing machines, I sat down to many different kinds of machines and sewed on them until I found what was comfortable. And that was when I was buy, buying my Viking machine. Um, and then later, you know, I've I've worked on a lot of different kinds of machines. I haven't really found one I hated. Good. <laughs> but good. I to sew anything that'll do a nice stitch, I'll work on. So yeah. Um, but that's what I've got right now in my in my sewing space here. I like it. I my first machine that I ever bought was a brother also, mm -hmm. and it was um, the most basic one you could find. I was in Alaska at the time, so it was the only one at a Walmart in Fairbanks, Alaska, at like nine o'clock <laughs> at night on a Friday. Um, and that's the one I had for years and years, and I still have it. And it does. I have to say, because you mentioned sounds, and I think that's kind of funny because the one thing. Um, that it does do that I never did like is when you put the walking foot on, that is the loudest contraction <laughs> I have ever heard while sewing is, and I don't know if it's just the, and it's only on that machine because I can put a walking foot on another machine, no mm -hmm. problem. But yeah, on that machine, it is like 
horses coming in <laughs> such a loud <laughs> clod hopping noise. So yes, I definitely agree that you need to like your machine and not have anything about it that annoys you or you won't want to use it. Exactly. Perfect. Well, so you mentioned working with Fonz Porter and on that mm-hmm. show. And so you were a sewing specialist, right? So you got to yeah. sort of help, I guess, prep samples and make samples. Is that kind of, what was your role? That was part of it. Um, I would, one of my first basic thing was to test any pattern that was going to be published that needed maybe a template made for the magazine because mm-hmm. in the production process, we had to make sure that everything was proper, that would go together properly if it was an unusual angle or curve or something. So that make sure the templates were right. Um, test any technique or tool that came in that we were going to be using. Um, I made color options so that if the cover quilt was in red and white and red and white's not your thing on the inside of the magazine, maybe we made it in batiks in fall color. And so maybe that pattern then would appeal to you in another colorway. So I did a lot of color options for Mm -hmm. the magazine. Um, Then the other part of my job was to make um, pieces and parts for anything that Marianne, Liz, or Mary presented um, in the PBS taping. So mm-hmm. they would bring their quilts in, the writers would go at it and get everything ready. Then I would sit down and work backwards on the pieces and parts to see, okay, in the presentation, in the teaching tools that she needs, um, what, how many pieces you need a finish block. And then I need to work backwards from there. It needs to be then maybe in rows and then the rows broken apart and then individual units plus, in case we have an oops, maybe right. of everything and it would have to be starched and um, prepared, all the tools ready. Um, I, I would drag back and forth multiple versions of every tool and ruler that we could possibly think of, set up the set um, so that they could go through the walkthrough, make sure all the pieces and parts were where they wanted, the rest goes away. And then I got to help with the timing and helping them stay in line so that we would get 22 minutes of really good content. So, and then later um, they asked me to do and uh, to do some of the uh, video for tools and techniques that we presented in um, Quilting Quickly magazine, mm-hmm. which was a magazine with all pre-cuts. Mm-hmm. And then this, what we used to call so easies, um, S-E-W, it was techniques like so easy might include how to make triangles four at a time or eight at a time or how to do curve piecing. Those are skills, not really tools. So I would do a video that helped them then teach those tools, those techniques and tips for the viewer. So I guess they're going to reside on YouTube probably for eternity, but (laughs) everything that goes on YouTube is probably there for eternity somewhere or another. My great great granddaughter will be able to learn some something from me years from now. But that's great to think about. I like that. So then, what um, do you have a, a, I guess, a favorite memory from that, or a favorite thing that you taught, or a favorite thing that you got to see them teach using your step outs? Oh wow! I don't know if there's a favorite one or not, or a most memorable one, something that most, stands out. Most memorable. Oh. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I can tell tales on (laughs) Um, (laughs) during the long arm shows. um, Angela Hoffman was always our long arm presenter. Mm -hmm. And I would get so engrossed in what she was doing that I would forget that I had the 22 minute time cards in front of me. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I would get all of a sudden it was like, oh no, I look over my shoulder and I'm like, oh, they have seven minutes left. And I haven't even shown them the half mark yet because <laughs> watching them uh, when she was teaching long arm techniques and she would always have a little ditty that she would teach. And, and it was just so in, in, entertaining that I would mm -hmm. get distracted and not do my job. So. Well, that just speaks to how, how engaging she is as a teacher then. So that's really yeah. good. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. We've done that with, with videos that we've done on, on National Quilter Circle. We had an instructor who did a lot of free motion quilting and she mm -hmm. would do these, these patterns and you just, you'd almost get like hypnotized watching, <laughs> you know, the squirrels and everything. It's the same yep. kind of thing. So yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> So um, that sort of thing, things in the past, what are you currently working on now? Oh, let's see. I'm in the process of finishing up um, some book pillows. For my, I have four grandkids and a fifth one on the way and they all mm -hmm. love books. So I'm a lot of times when they're around, I'm sitting on the floor and I'm reading either Brown Bear, Brown Bear or, or one of, or one of the Eric Carle um the hungry, very hungry, hungry caterpillar over and over. They all love books and they love the rhythm mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. the rhyme and stuff in, in children's books. And a friend of mine had talked about making some book pillows oh, a couple months ago. And at the time I, I thought, I don't have time for that. And just recently I work at a quilt shop here in Ames, Iowa. Mm -hmm. And a client, a customer came in and she was showing off these book pillows that she created for her grandkids. And oh my, they were so adorable. And then I was thinking, hmm, I have four grands. I should do some of those. There you go. Perfect. So Lisa's workshop has been very busy the last three or four days. Mm -hmm. And I pieced um, a little, I found some uh, fabric that had little um, sayings. It's from Henry Glass Fabric. Mm -hmm. um, all things great and uh, all things bright and beautiful. It's kind of goes along that theme. Mm -hmm. So each of those um, little square centers has a little animal and a little saying with it. And there was just a personality to each one of them that fits each of my grandkids. So I bordered them out and then quilted the front and the back and the pocket. And I got three bindings left to sew on that. So <laughs> plenty of time. <laughs> So many projects, but they're still quilted. <laughs> and we're going to link to, uh, we'll have a little bio on you and, and link to some of your, your social media pages. Because you had mentioned this to me a while ago as a, a book pillow, and I didn't, I couldn't visualize it until I saw it. So yeah. if you're somebody that's listening and needs a visual, we'll post a link so you can find one. But yes, yep. they're very, very cute. <laughs> yep. I haven't posted on my Instagram. I put up the other day when I went to start, I went, uh, fabric, ready, set, sew. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, so uh, now I want to talk about, because we talked about, you know, you learning to quilt and you doing your quilting and you work at a quilt shop, but when you're doing, say your book pillows and things that you're working on at your house, what does your sewing space look like? Your, your sewing and or quilting setup? What is it like? Okay. So I'm actually sitting at my sewing center right now mm -hmm. with my sewing machine off to my right. Um, I have a large cabinet that has a flip out and shelving. Mm -hmm. So I have, if I'm machine quilting, I have probably four feet to get across that. So um, I have a cutting mat on one corner of it. Of course, there's always a pile of fabric <laughs> nearby. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I have set up so that I can listen to my, I can live stream on my radio or my phone while I'm, while I'm working. Mm -hmm. um, I have a design wall off to my right nice. and it has some parts for a quilt that I've been working on for uh, 
a little too long, but uh, I have about a third of it done. It's it's all scrappy. Um, And then behind me, I have two cabinets with a large cutting, one of the extra oversized cutting or uh, ironing boards on top. So I have the cutting behind me, so I don't have to walk too far. Um, And extra lighting because I have a little bit older eyes. So I have an extra lighting coming up for my um, right shoulder and a ruler rack of every assorted ruler I can think of. I probably could use the second one of those, but I don't think Santa's listening right now. Well, we'll have to outfit that on your own, I guess. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're very organized in terms of streamlining your process, your working process. And do you find that like when you were setting it up, that's something that you were taking into account? Um, Like on my end, I know that I do a lot of video things from my room, so it needs to be functional, but also kind of cute. So that's kind of what I was thinking setting it up. But like, what was your, when you were putting yours together, how did you decide, okay, this makes the Mm, most sense, you know, in flow? Yep. That's, that's really important. Um, for me, I like to be able to see outside. Mm-hmm. So um, in this room, there's only, there are two windows and they both face east. So as you walk into my sewing room, the, the door is at my back. And the only person here that could scare me, what if he was walking in, would be my husband. And <laughs> usually I hear him coming. So I'm not worried about that. If I had small kids, I probably wouldn't want them coming up behind me. But then my sewing machine faces those east windows so that I can open those blinds and I can see out. So I can either have sunshine in the, you know, in the morning or I can walk snow in the middle of the afternoon here in Iowa. Gotcha. So I love to have natural light in my sewing space if I can get it. Now, if I could design this room, I would probably make it a little larger Mm -hmm. and I'd add windows but that's not possible so all right well that was that was gonna be another question was what you would add so that, that's good to know what you'd add yeah. see I don't have to worry about my husband won't set foot in my sewing room he doesn't he says it's my it's usually a mess and he doesn't understand how I know where things are so he's always like I'm never gonna go in there but I like, I like it. so um I think having a lot of natural light is really good too not only does it help you I don't know just stay inspired, I guess, by being able to look outside, but Mm -hmm. also being able to see all of your fabric and thread and everything in natural light helps you, I think, putting colors together and things. Don't you think? Most definitely. Most definitely. Natural light is always important. Even when I'm working in the quilt shop, I usually will suggest if someone is truly, really concerned about color match to, you know, take the bolt off the shelf, bring it up to the front windows or um, we do have an, a sample of daylight lighting that's mm-hmm. up by our cat registers. And I'll say, you know, it, you're welcome to make a mess. Lay mm-hmm. it out on the counter, unroll it, check the color, because until you see it in natural light or in the daylight setting, you're not going to be able to tell the color and whether or not you get the contrast or the variation that you want. Yeah. So that natural lighting is really important. Yeah. And it's just super important to make sure that you like the fabric before you buy it. So you want to come home and finish the project and not hang it on your design wall forever, Colleen. Yeah, I know there's always, but this is very scrappy. So that's why this poor thing has been hanging here forever. Um, okay. I started it at a quilt retreat with a friend um, when I it was together with a friend mm-hmm. and it's all, it's very, very scrappy, but you have to stay very focused to mm-hmm. make sure the triangles are all going the correct direction. So, gotcha. um, but all my little projects get in the, in the middle of it. So either I'm doing something for a class or I'm doing something for um, the shop or 
or, you know, I just get a little ADD and I've got to go off in another direction. And so, well, that's all right. that just means more projects get done in the end. Exactly. <laughs> all right. We talked a little bit about this sort of in the beginning in terms of, um, things that you like to teach or things, tips you like to pass along when you're teaching. But do you have a, say a best quilting tip that you've learned or something that you always want to make sure you try to pass on to new quilters who are just getting started? Love what you're working on. And you, you alluded to that just a second ago, when you go to pick out fabrics and I've had, I've had a lot of new quilters. They're taking their first class. They're like, where do I start? I said, what's your favorite color? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, your favorite color, it's the thing you're drawn to. It will be much more enjoyable to work on something you're really drawn to. So they, I usually have them then go to that section of the shop and they pick that one color that just speaks to them. It, it's their color. And then we build around it because if it's inviting mm -hmm. to your eye and pleasing to your soul. You will work on it. You will finish it. Yeah. And done is good. Marianne and Liz used to say that all the time on their show. Done is good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be done. Yes. And I feel like the more of them you get done, the more of them you will get done perfectly. Mm -hmm. Like you will, like, you know, learn things as you go. Trial and error. We talked about that at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you just have to have to do it. But then also, so I love the asking your favorite color thing. Um, me personally, my favorite color is gray most of the time. But I have to say, like, when it comes to quilts and fabrics, there will be this, you know, paisley pastel pink something that I would never like on anything else, but you see it on a fabric and you see it with, you know, a different collection or just something. And you might be surprised that your favorite quilting color isn't always your favorite color. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and I've learned also because yellow is not my favorite color and neither is orange. Those mm -hmm. are colors that, that are really hard for me to use. But I learned early on that a little bit of that creates a spark in your quilt and it doesn't have to be a lot. It's just a little bit added sometimes and it just creates more interest. So I yeah. try to go back and st step back and say, is it too flat? Does it need a, just a little bit of a contrast somewhere? And then that's the pop that then finishes it off. I, I like that, but I, I have a follow-up to this in that I'm picturing you having a finished quilt and you standing back and then realizing that it needs that pop. So have you ever done that and made one and then stood back and then just didn't like it? Mm, sometimes you do. You sit back and you go, yep, not my, not my favorite quilt, but you know what? It's called a utility quilt. <laughs> it's the one. And, and I've created those and I've taken mm -hmm. them to ball games or um, yeah. football stadiums and, just, you know, we sit down on wet bleachers or in the grass and somebody goes, oh, you're putting that quilt uh, down on the ground or on a dirty bleacher. I'm like, yep. <laughs> that's, what that's, what it was that's what, not, maybe not what it started out being meant for, but that is its new job. <laughs> every, yeah. every quilt has, has a task and that's a life. <laughs> well, so this is something that you and I had talked about before, and I think it'll be a fun thing to end on because it's a fun story and it's just a good tip to pass on to anybody and everybody that's getting into quilting. Um, but it's not necessarily looking back and not liking a color or not liking a quilt, but finding a mistake. Like yeah. when does that happen? Also, what is your sort of point of no return? Like when you just 
realize that, okay, it's not fixable. It's just going to be, have to become a part of the quilt. Right. There, there is, there is a difference. I know one time when I was working on a table runner and I was quilting it. And as I got to this one little square, I was like, Oh no, the fabric's upside down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I had not noticed it until I was quilting it. I stopped right there. I took out the little square very, very carefully flipped it mm -hmm. over and stitched it back in because mm -hmm. the rest of the whole thing I didn't want to take out. Now, that's what I would call plugging a quilt, taking it out and flipping over and fixing it. Mm -hmm. That one, it, it, it's doable. It's possible. Mm -hmm. okay. um, the real oopsie quilt that I have, um, I created as a shop sample in the very first quilt shop I worked in. And it's probably a 16, 18 inch square wall hanging. And I was making it as a shop sample that was going to hang up. And while I was working on it, I remember it being on the design wall and taking a break a couple of times. You know, it's mealtime where I had to take care of kids. And, and I remember looking back going, something just isn't quite right. But I couldn't figure out what it was. It just, mm -hmm. it was eluding me. I finished the quilt. It went off to a quilter because somebody was going to do this fancy template quilting on it with metallic thread. And it looked gorgeous when I got it back did the binding. Um, I entered it at the state fair. Mm -hmm. Now, if there are state fair judges out there listening to this, I, it got through you. <laughs> they can't take back a ribbon, right? Like <laughs> it got a ribbon. In fact, it ended up with a blue ribbon, which at the Iowa state fair means it's not in the upstairs room with the other quilts. It's in the blue ribbon winning room downstairs or the highlight of all the quilts that are entered at the Iowa state fair, which are quite a few. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, I was accomplished. I was feeling like I, you know, I really did something great and nice. And I, it was just a pretty quilt and I brought it home afterwards and I hung it in my sewing room and you know, the ribbon on it and everything. Cause I actually finally did something that got recognized. Well, mm -hmm. I was on the phone with my sister a few weeks later and all of a sudden, as I turned, it dawned on me what was wrong. And I screamed into the phone. I went, ah, oh! and my sister's like, what's wrong with what is something wrong with one of the kids? I'm like, no, there's a mistake in that quilt. <laughs> they got by everybody. They got by mm -hmm. everybody. Nobody pointed it out to me, or at least they were very polite and didn't point it out to me. But there was a little bitty block that was made from two squares and a rectangle so that it mm -hmm. was square. There was, and it was turned 90 degrees so that it, when it made the design in the outer edge of the quilt, instead of being continuous all the way around in kind of a zigzag pattern, it had an open gate. Mm -hmm. It looked like the cows were getting out. <laughs> but it was entered into a state fair. Maybe they thought you left the gate open on purpose. I, it couldn't have been, I suppose. <laughs> And I looked at it and looked at it and thought, oh my gosh, really? It got through the state fair. It got a ribbon. And then I thought, I'm going to fix it. And then I looked at the machine quilting on it and all that metallic thread. And I went, no, it's a better story. I'm mm -hmm. leaving it. So mm -hmm. it literally is hanging on the door of my sewing room today. It's mm -hmm. a reminder that nothing we make is absolutely perfect. Only God. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to just be okay with it at a certain point. Like, like you said, every, nobody, if it was that glaring of a mistake, you would have noticed it first. Your quilter would have noticed it. It wouldn't, no offense, it wouldn't want a ribbon, right? Like, so you have to, like you said, just kind of accept little mistakes like that. And then it happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, so if you are somebody um, who, who is listening that maybe is thinking that you you can't get over something like that, like how would you? What is your what is your advice to them about letting go of little mistakes and moving <laughs> on to the next project? Um, there are so many projects, so many ideas, so many things that we want to make that it's it's not worth the. With, there's nothing we can do maybe at that point to try and fix it. Because if I were to attempt it, the metallic thread quilting in there would then not be continuous. And, you know, I'd probably do more damage to the quilt than good at that point. And Mm -hmm. I'm okay with just letting it go and going on to the next project. If it really, Mm -hmm. really bothers you, then give the quilt away. (laughs) There you go. Or don't hang it on your door. Just put it somewhere. Put it away and don't worry about it. But Mm -hmm. life is so short. And there are so many wonderful fabrics and so many gorgeous designs to create. Mm-hmm. Life's way too short. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. 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 Yes. Um, perfect. One last question, because I'd like to ask this to people who, um, you know, from the very beginning, you said you've been sewing and quilting a very long time. You've probably made a bunch of quilts up to this point. What do you do with them all? My family is usually the the recipient of most of my quilts. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my quilts have been auctioned off for um, fundraisers. Mm-hmm. Um, they've gone. I've I've done quilts. I've done custom quilts for people. So those come and go in and out of my house, which is good because then I don't have to store them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and then the others, when I tried to go through my quilts recently. And I thought, I, I'm just going to reduce. I'm going to give away. I'm going to do this and that. My daughter piped up and said, well, you you, you can't give that one away. I said, you don't even like this one. And she's like, but but you entered that at the fair. I'm like, I know, but I've entered a lot of quilts at the fair. I mm-hmm. can't keep all of them. So, Well, so then <laughs> if you're getting rid of them and someone else is sentimentally attached to them, they now get to take over the storage of that quilt. Exactly. Perfect. I like it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your fun stories and your tips and your quilting experience with us. Um, And we'll have to have you back on here a little later and talk some more quilting. Thanks. This has been fun.